Hi, everybody from surviving to thriving. I am so excited to introduce to you Tammy Chow. I basically was on the explorer mode on Instagram and then I saw somebody with the name Somatic Spirit and I was like, oh, what's that? And I was like immediately curious because at that time I was like really interested about the body, the relationship we have to the body in terms of healing our trauma and how we can heal through our body and just implement all of those beautiful methodologies with our body. And so here I introduce you, Tammy Chow. Welcome, welcome. Nice to see you. Hi, nice to meet you too. Thank yeah. you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. I would love to just start with your story. How did you get to be this person of the somatic spirit? <laughs> what a loaded question. So let's see, where do we begin? Well, I lately have been really into encouraging and teaching people that they're, and you know, this is encouraged by my teacher, Adriana Rizzolo, that their direct experience is as important and valuable as any certifications or education. So I like to include, you know, myself growing up in a kind of enmeshed family dynamic, growing up with an alcoholic father, witnessing a lot of codependency in my parents' relationship. And I would say I just had a really difficult emotional childhood. And a lot of my spiritual journey actually came from healing through 10 years of, you know, healing from 10 years of bulimia. And I was very suicidal when I was in my teens. And then going into the fashion industry didn't really help <laughs> my mental health very much, um, you know, especially with body image, body dysmorphia, and just really low self-esteem. And so it was kind of the journey of all of that and feeling very chewed up and spit out by the fashion industry with one, how much it's based on image, status, and wastefulness. And, you know, so much of how your value is really based on your title and how much you can do that forced after a while, my body couldn't take it anymore. And my eating disorder, mental health and everything caught up with me. And I hit a rock bottom, which I feel like like many people, it's the physical stuff that comes up when our body's like, hey, you have to turn the ship around. And so it was all the physical stuff that I had to deal with ulcer symptoms and having acid reflux and depression, also escaping through drugs and alcohol so much during that period of my life, I just was so unhappy and had to do something. And so that's when I was forced to get really clean in my diet. I started acupuncture. And, you know, during that time, a lot of socializing in New York was still partying and drugs and alcohol, which I could no longer be a part of. So then I spent my nights reading The Power of Now or, you know, whatever <laughs> books, you know, are your first awakening books back then. And started, this was around when I was 24, so almost nine years ago, or 10. How old am I? Um, 
Yeah. And I just remember then starting to walk through the streets of New York and looking at trees differently, you know, and feeling like, oh, there's spirit in there. What even is spirit? (laughs) And so that was really the beginning of me understanding that my emotional world is connected to my physical body. And um, from there, moved to LA, kind of did the 180 love and light spiritual thing where I totally, quote unquote, healed from my bulimia. I understood food as medicine and understood all the nutritional wellness side of healing which I think is really important sometimes for us to swing to the other side before we fully integrate. And um, so I was kind of a little bit in the spiritual bypassy mode where, you know, everything was breath work and meditation and sound healing and not eating anything that involved gluten or, you know, doing random parasite cleanses, even if I didn't have parasites. (laughs) you know, having phantom bloating, all of this stuff. And then it wasn't until later that I had actually, I had left my nine to five. And then um, I had met my partner at the time. And we had a direct to consumer clothing business that let us travel while we while we worked. And it also allowed us to pursue our other interests. So I did the nomadic travel around the world thing while I was doing that and reading and just absorbing everything on healing. I knew there was some way that I would be in the healing world. I just had no idea how. And I did the travel around the world thing and then landed back in New York first and then LA where I had a lot. I was, oh, I I had gotten my eating psychology certification to become a eating psychology coach, basically from my own experience of overcoming all of that and, you know, getting to the root of what is the emotional part that causes the symptoms of bulimia and obsessive control with food. And while I was doing that, I also, you know, The Artist's Way, the book by Julia Cameron is a huge inspiration to me. So leading with curiosity, I was also really diving into ceramics as something I became obsessed with during that time. So I was simultaneously doing my art and getting my eating psychology certification. And it was right when I was about to start my practice as that after I finished my certification. And I feel like I'm learning it always happens this way that whenever we're about to embark on teaching something, goddess or spirit or universe puts you in some kind of washer machine of transformation to be like, are you really going to stand in integrity and teach this? Like, here is your own shit. <laughs> so And it brought all that up. So then it brought up in the biggest way, I mean, this dark night of the soul where the eating disorder, body dysmorphia, all of that came up and a huge trigger between me and my partner of six years that came up that actually started with us honestly communicating. I had encouraged him to go to his own somatic practitioner and the topic that came up that he wanted to share with me in an honest way was around um, his porn preferences. But that brought up every single woman's issue. You know, it felt like generations of women's trauma and pain having to do with everything the patriarchy puts on us, you know, beauty standards, everything, 
all of that came up during that time, which was seemingly very inconvenient because I was trying to start my practice in this. Mm -hmm. And I went down this whole rabbit hole of, I mean, I felt so hijacked in my body that it felt like I was being controlled by, I don't know what, I mean, now I know because I teach this stuff, but looking back and I teach through my personal life experiences. So at that time, I'm like about to become an eating psychology coach, right? But here I am literally researching cool sculpting and facial like plastic surgery procedures and somehow like convincing myself like, great, I know it's going to be 40 grand to get a nose job. I'm going to manifest that. Like how insane, you know, and I was going (laughs) through this like flip-flopping of what the hell is going on with me. Like I know in my heart that I don't want this and that I don't need to change. And that's when I'm teaching women. But why is my body being controlled? Like it literally felt like a survival strategy. Like if I didn't change myself in these ways that I wouldn't survive. And, you know, a lot of that comes from my dad was really, really critical about appearance. And yeah, I've like learned some things about his history that very not okay towards women. So it's like in my bones, you know, and so I had that came up and led me down the route of actual body based trauma healing, because I was like, okay, there's something deeper here. And so that's and at the same time, also learning about all of these, um, you know, working with clients for eating psychology and hearing different cases, Mm -hmm. everything to me led back to childhood trauma. And so I was like, okay, so there's like a layer deeper here. And then I just read every book, like Body Keeps the Score, Waking the Tiger, just like everything I could consume. And then started working with my own practitioner, Madison Neese, who really set me on the journey of somatics and getting in touch with my ancestors through my body. Um, she taught me so much about ritual. And um, from that, then I I was like, I, I can't not do this because of the ways that I had changed in those two years. It was, I would have never imagined, you know, that I would find myself here, I guess. Wow. You were really called to that assignment. And it's really interesting that going forward is a mystery, but when you tell your story, it's like, I look at your story and I'm like, it all makes sense. It all lined up for you to be here and to be on this assignment to teach people about this, you know, and what an incredibly beautiful story to tell. And you're right. That was a loaded question to start with, you know, it's like, oh, hi. And then it's like, boom, (laughs) just like dropped it on you. Wow. What an amazing story. You mentioned something about hijacked. You, You felt like your body was hijacked, or I think you said something about somatically you were hijacked. Can you maybe explain to the people what that really felt like? Like, what does it feel like to be hijacked from your body? Yeah. It's like for my own good, I was like, okay, I'm ready to build a website. I'm ready to get clients and put myself out there and be an eating psychology coach. But then for my body to feel hijacked, it's like the way that your body wants to present when you're confident and putting yourself out there is your shoulders are back. Your heart is kind of leaning forward. Your your head is straighter. Your spine is straighter. But the position I was in was totally shoulders in, like chest caving in. And it really felt like my mind 
was looping with these incessant thought loops that felt survival-based that were consistently, I was again, like consistently comparing myself to every woman and teenager and child out on the street. Like I used to growing up, you know, as a teenager and feeling feeling my body change and feeling my worth shift if I felt like, oh, she's prettier or, oh my God, like all of these things that were so, that come from such a young place of our conditioning growing up as women. And so it really felt like I was in a bit of a freeze for two months straight. And it was really hard to think straight. All I could do was loop about how I was less than or not adequate for my partner by comparing myself to women. I was fixated and obsessed with looking for procedures because that's the way that my ego found a way out. It's like, well, to get out of this pain and literally pain, it felt like my throat was constricted. I felt nauseous. I felt it just felt like deep depression. Um, you know, maybe even like a sinking from my heart into my stomach all day, every day. And the only way that I knew how to get out of that or like my ego made up was to get a procedure so that I can feel comfortable. You know, how can I change or fix the insecurities so that this will go away? And so luckily at that time in our business, we were taking time off. So I was really fortunate to not actually be working at that time because I'm not sure how I would have functioned. Mm, Wow. Yeah. It's such an interesting thing. I've in the past been stuck with, if I only look hotter, I'll be feeling better. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like I remember I used to have this mindset where I'm just like, if I just only eat this or if I work out for three hours every day and if I get these procedures and if I'm like, if I'm just like, if I feel hot and I get the reaction of everybody like validating that I'm hot, I'm going to feel okay. And now like with procedures, you're right. I feel like, I feel like it's not a bad thing to get like a procedure done, but I think the intention behind it, you know, if, if there's something that you want to do that kind of makes you feel better, I think by all means, but I have been seeing a lot of clients that get a lot of body modification or a lot of like, you know, I don't know. I think there, there was, there was this like now with the Kardashians, there's kind of like a, I think it's called a, a scop, ascopic or something like that. Like some sort of diabetic drug that people are taking um, to just be really thin. And it's just like, we need to start perceiving our body as this vessel, this vessel where God can like speak through you, where you can actually use the universal energy to be grateful for your body and and, and to not see it from the perspective of like validating and how people respond to your body, but how you respond from within, you know? And so this is like such a beautiful conversation because I guess what I want to ask you is how did you start creating relationship with yourself after you've been hijacked or once you noticed and had the awareness of that, okay, I've been frozen for two months and I'm just trying to get out of it. Like, what did you start doing to start creating a deeper relationship to the body within? Well, 
So this was the big journey because it was tied in with my sexuality as well. I think often the two are tied, especially the... So a lot of it, since it was triggered from porn, I went down this rabbit hole of, you know, I first went in the complete protective mode of like, porn is bad, da da da, like you're wrong, you know, putting all the blame on my partner and making him the villain. And then I went down this whole rabbit hole of exploring porn <laughs> myself. <laughs> You know, and I'm like, because I'm a practitioner, I'm like, okay, where's the personal responsibility in this? I'm one acting like a hyena towards my partner. And I still apologize to him. I'm like, I'm so sorry for that period of time. It was so hard. And like, okay, what is this lesson here? What what do I need to learn? And during that time, I realized I wasn't connected to my own sexuality. I wasn't connected to my own sexiness or my own, you know, body because of my past sexual trauma. And so part of my exploration was developing a self-pleasure practice and pleasuring myself, right? And also, I also got these sensual dance classes from a coach that I um, purchased from her website. And so I was in my room exploring my pleasure practice as well as embodying my own sexuality through dance and working on my own sexual energy, you know, because obviously I know everything's a mirror. Everything is telling me what I haven't looked at in myself. Mm -hmm. And so that's really, that was really it. It was like the more that then I felt my own sexuality and my own life force energy. And like you said, God, that's, and you know, another part of it was my Vedic astrologer will continue to tell me when you are right with God, like the body stuff, like that's the body stuff isn't even an issue, you know? And so it was really strengthening my sexuality and my relationship to self and my relationship to spirit and really being faced to look at my own worth through that. Wow. That's beautiful. I don't know if you know this about me, but uh, I had a pole dancing studio for seven years and taught pole dancing and how this relates to 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 sexuality and and how we can dive into sexuality is i started that studio having no mirrors and i my whole idea was because if you're holding on to a pole you know you always have like almost something grounded to the floor and so you can be blindfolded as long as you're holding on to it and so i was like okay what i'm going to teach women is like to form an inner relationship with their sexuality right And what happened was over the years, then Instagram came in and then everybody was just filming themselves constantly and the biggest no, no, but I had to give into it at some point because people were like, I don't know how I look and whatever I had, I put in mirrors and that was the downfall, like quite literally the downfall of the intention behind what I was trying to teach women because everything started being on Instagram. Everything was about how I look and how I'm presented and, oh, I want to learn pole dancing for my partner. Oh, I want to learn this for, you know, this specific reason. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. Now that Instagram's come in, like, and everything is about like, people would just not be in class, you know, just without their phone. So I had to like do a no phone policy. And it was just, I was like, okay, this is really not happening. But I totally understand what you just said about about sexuality and creating a, a spiritual practice around your sexuality. And 
I find it it's so easy for women because we have like vibrators that are like amazing, you know, it's like with every little like contraption on it, you know, and, and we start losing that, like almost like this, like spiritual sexual foreplay with ourselves and, and to be able to even pleasure ourselves. And where does that begin? Like, do we start showering slower? You know, do we start to engage with our environment and really feel our sexiness? And, and so I think that's such an important thing and tool, especially for women. So do you implement a form of teaching self-pleasure to women or, or any of your clients in order to transcend with their body? Is that something that you do as well? So it's in my program, Awakening the Wild Woman, there's a bit of that. And I actually bring in friends who are specifically, you know, somatic sex educators because it's it's just such a sensitive topic. I have like pre-recorded modules in the course that tell just about my story and offer self-touch, like simple self-touch practices. And also this company, Wands, that I'm an affiliate for that are crystal wands that I so resonate with because, you know, then it's, there's so much intention with choosing, you know, the vibe, the energy of the wand that you're using and it doesn't have all of the bells and whistles so that the invitation is really to slow down and get in touch with the sensations, the emotions, the slowness, seeing what lights you up as well as not fixating on an outcome, which I feel like porn has done to yeah. all of us, right? Yeah. So I myself wouldn't say that I directly teach women that, but it's incorporated in my course and I bring in really good practitioners who do. Yeah. Okay. So how do you view the healing of trauma? There are so many different methodologies, but I just kind of want to ask you like, what is your methodology or like the importance around the practice of how to heal trauma? Like what is the core of your teaching around that? Yeah, it's changed as I'm sure for you. I feel like every practitioner, we just change so rapidly as we're doing our own work too. Now to me, you know, I am really grateful for people like Peter Levine and Bessel van der Kolk who have made trauma healing more westernized, mainstream, scientifically acceptable. And like Stephen Porges, like polyvagal theory, and us starting to understand the nervous system as the foundation of our spiritual, you know, and physical well-being. At the same time, this traces all the way back to yogic practices and Eastern traditional Chinese medicines, you know, Eastern practices that have been around for centuries. So it's like this information is nothing new, but it's being, I think, presented in a way that is bridging the ways that we've been trained in our scientific minds to understand it. And I think that that's where I stand now is kind of guiding people through understanding the science of it and tracing it back to also what's alive in their ancestry and what are the religious and uh, or what are the spiritual practices and ancient practices that are also part of this as well as what is your connection to source spirit goddess whatever your name for that is and so and also of course movement being the most important thing for our bodies so to me trauma healing is 
getting in touch and being in tune with what are our sensations, emotions, behaviors, and the meaning that come from our bodies, like 80% of the messages that go through the vagus nerve go from our bodies to our minds. So tapping into learning how to be in conversation with that and movement and spirituality, as well as resourcing, learning how to have fun again, learning how to lead with curiosity, learning how to be in the consistent death and life process that is life, you know, not fixating on an outcome. It's been harder and harder to capture what my methodology is, as I (laughs) feel like for most practitioners, because I feel like the deeper we get into our own bodies and our own practice, to me, it's really just finding out that I'm a multidimensional artist that is just trying to be myself as much as possible in this world and that maybe I can inspire other people to do the same. Mm. And then more recently now, you know, trauma happens when we feel helpless in the face of threat. And so the most, one of the most important parts of the trauma healing process is a compassionate witness, is that really compassionate um, presence of somebody holding you in this place and there, I have nothing against traditional licensed therapy, but one thing that is the reason I chose not to do that route is because I think that the curriculum has traditionally trained practitioners out of their humanity. So I feel like, you know, when I would go to a therapist back in the day, that was more the traditional route, I wouldn't really feel seen or heard because I felt like there was some wall between us because Mm. they had to show up in a quote unquote professional way. And so to me, the related, the relational field between myself and my clients or the groups of women that I facilitate, it's about my deep presence and bringing all of my humanity in here, all of my life experience, like nothing. I mean, some things can be off limits if I feel like they're too sensitive to be talked about. But that to me is really what I feel like is quote unquote, the methodology is yeah. compassionate, pure presence. Yeah. It's interesting. Now I know why I connected to you so much because everything you just said, I totally agree with when it comes to talk therapy. And, you know, I feel like when I first started healing trauma, I think understanding psychology and my mind and my past and kind of like the Freudian way of approaching it was good, you know, but I think as we start to heal, we want to create those deeper connections to the body and the soul, because I think those are actually our core, core places, you know, where we can heal from. So I completely agree with you because that's kind of where I'm at too. It's like, I don't really have a methodology and it's beautiful that you said, I'm an artist because what I've started to notice is as, as we go through coaching and, and serving people and holding space for people and trauma, I started to notice that to hold space for, for trauma, you have to be an artist. You have to be an artist because it's about not just the body's free flow, but the ability to just take the spirit and just be free flowing and, you know, using empathy, but also using experience and presence, you know, and I think it is it is absolutely something that I connect with as well. I almost don't even want to call myself a coach anymore because I'm like, no, I'm like, so that I'm just, I've been, I've been searching for this 
for a while because I'm like, do I call myself an activist or, you know, an artist? You know, will people even see me that way? And and so I guess it's like really hard because you mentioned, you know, the Eastern philosophy has been around for that like thousands of years. And then, you know, we had certain books about the body that made it more westernized. And I feel like now we're going through this other transition. I don't know what to call it, but I, I'm definitely feeling it that we're, you know, I feel like we are in this grief consciousness with everything that's going on. And I feel like trauma is not just specifically to childhood trauma. I feel like the wounds are very known and common to most people. I think being human you have a wound, right? And I want to change the language because it's almost like it's okay to have wounds and to be human, but to also know that those are your teachers. And so it's been an interesting journey because as I'm speaking to so many different people, I've noticed like just in that one small environment, I've noticed that a lot of people are trying to find another way that is more wholesome, more artistic and more expressive because I think we are so frozen, you know, especially with being isolated for three years, you know, like being in little boxes and it's just like, that's going to affect everyone. Okay. So I guess what I want to ask you is, is about like, you were saying that you wanted to talk about the art of relating because this is something that's been coming up for you. So what do you want to say about the art of relating? Since we're talking about artistry, <laughs> well, how do yeah. you see relationships in today's world? Yeah. Well, I also wanted to respond to when you're like, I don't even want to call myself a coach anymore because I'm going through that right now. I, I'm i going through some public transformation, which feels so weird. You know, when you in this journey, we're always like transforming. And it's so weird when you have to be outward facing as a quote unquote practitioner or whatever. I mean, this post may be coming soon, but I wanted to post, I resign from my position as a somatic teacher, guide, you know, practitioner. What I am is a facilitator. I'm here to provide deep presence for you. And I'm your biggest cheerleader as you blossom, you know, as your nervous system opens as like this flower. And that's, I think, one of my inspirations, Anne Bradney, she founded Radical Aliveness. And she sent out an email the other day. And in it, she said, we are past the time, in my opinion, we are past the time that we can look to any leader to show us the way. And so we have to create something new. That means that we have to be in the unknown together, but that's where creation or that's where the birthplace of creation. And I loved that so much because that's what's really resonating for me now is I myself, you know, starting my business, got into different kinds of masterminds that taught me, oh, well, you need to position yourself as an authority. You need to use this type of language to basically get people to trust your landing page to buy this course. And now my body is like at this point, you know, I just did that with my most recent container that was inspired by the, you know, the art of relating. Um, and it was called authentic attachment. And my part, my partner in it and I, not not my romantic partner, but who I'm facilitating with, um, we just kind of went down the rabbit hole of like creating the landing page, doing the wording, you know, all the things you have to do to get done and just like put out your offer. But then the past few days I've been like almost like nauseous reading these words. And I'm like, wait, this is not what I had the intention for creating. 
And what I had the intention for creating is inspired by my background coming from trauma healing and attachment repatterning and the safety, right? Like there's so much emphasis on safety and creating a safe environment for the client as we basically nourish our nervous systems to feel something different than we grew up with. And then I was introduced to, you know, the world of authentic relating and circling, which um, if anybody does or does not know about that, it's kind of circling itself is a meditative practice where we slow down and really stay within our own experience and notice sensations and emotions, thoughts, judgments, assumptions. And we speak from our experience and we slow it down and we can ask the other person like, hey, this is my assumption. What's going on for you? And it's this back and forth in a group environment that allows you to really notice your relational patterns in real time. And so I was really drawn to that because, of course, I really am so passionate about creating safety for my clients as we do that nervous system and attachment relational repair. But I don't think we live in a safe world. And I don't think that the care stops there. And I've always had this thirst for these containers that are like a little bit bigger, like more risky, you know, Anne Bradney's work, Radical Aliveness, it is this bigger container of getting to how she says, show up and take risks. And so my inspiration was to be able to present these topics and for people to understand their attachment adaptations. And with that context, go into the group format of this circling experience, then to just notice what happens, right? And so then in that way, I don't want anymore to create a container where I'm saying, I'm an authority. I'm going to teach you how to do this. I'm going to lead you into secure attachment. I'm more like, I'm a freaking human that is obsessed with this topic in my own life and my relationships with, you know, dating, my own parents, my best friends. And I want to give you all of this stuff that I've trained in because I'm obsessed with it. And then I want to take my hat off with Zori, who's facilitating this with me. And we get to sit in the relational field with you. And so in a way, I feel like I want to more empower people to show up in what Richard Schwartz, who founded Internal Family Systems, calls being self-led. And so I feel like we're moving into an era where more and more people, I feel like the way forward is becoming self-led rather than looking to any other leader. You know, there's this young part of us that's like, am I doing the right thing? Am I, is this right? Does this leader confirm that my intuition is right? But I think that we all are different puzzle pieces that fit into this beautiful giant puzzle. And we're all, what's right for me is different than what's right for you. And I think the more and more we empower people to get to know what's true for them and what's their connection to God in their body or spirit or source or whatever, the more we will have the capacity to hold space for you and I not agreeing on something, mm -hmm. but that being okay, because then we're still like, I know you need to believe that and I need to believe what I believe so that we can exist in this ecosystem together. Yeah. And so that's what I feel like is the way forward and the art of relating. Yeah. I mean, beautifully said. And I think that there's such a yearning in the human spirit, you know, for more community and community healing and, and, and seeing other people's pain and seeing how we can relate. Because I feel like 
over the years, you know, I think in the last 20 years, there's been a real shift because before it was just like you go to someone's practice and you sit on the couch and then they're opposite from you and then you're talking and you still feel alone because you said it's like this like white coat effect where it's kind of like you kind of are just talking, you're creating just a narrative and you're just like repeating it. And what I found in my own healing journey is anytime there was group healing, it was the most profound thing. So there's like something like there's there's a magic that happens between a group of people, a facilitator, right? And then body movement and getting something, whatever it is out. Like I remember I, I was put into a position where this is going to sound so weird for people, but... I was in this group healing situation and there was this big like cushiony cube and um, the facilitator was like, okay, I'm going to have all the men stand behind the cube and you, Natalie, are going to fuck the cube basically, like actually thrust the cube and like scream fuck you at all of these men. And I was like, that, no, like that's so weird. And I was like, I don't know how that makes sense. And I think I had such a deep hate for the masculine and I wanted to just like release this anger by like just getting it through my hips while they're screaming at me and yelling all of these horrendous things at me. And I'm just like, fuck you. And I honestly, like I was so happy after, like there was this such huge relief and Those are some things where it's like my whole entire soul, body, spirit, mind was all like present in the releasing of energy. And even though people are going to be like, that is the weirdest thing ever, right? It wasn't. It was like there was a real shift in my own sexuality. There was a real shift in how I perceived the masculine and feminine energies. And so this is what I mean. It's like sometimes things don't make sense. And there is this opportunity for artistry as a facilitator to be like, you know what? I think you need to do this because I feel like that's how you're going to release that, you know, and we hold so much tension, especially with like with a with sexual trauma we hold so much tension in those lower chakras and in our hips and that weird but true and beautiful situation and 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 healing was mind blowing for me like things changed for me after that did you ever have an experience like that where you ha- you know you had to do something weird or like you're like what am i doing here but it really like actually resolved the issue for you yeah I don't know about if I would say resolve. I find that, of course, we go on those like deeper and deeper layers, like this upward spiral of finding a new layer. But yes, like that was actually my first experience in a group environment was with Ann Bradney facilitating a radical aliveness retreat. And I've talked about this on my social media, but the experience, you know, and the idea is all conflict is welcome. Basically, everything is a portal, like all your triggers lead, like conflict is welcome in that space. And where, what triggered, you know, what I was bringing into the space was, and it was at Esalen. So there are nude hot springs that are above, you know, on top of these beautiful waves and the stars that it's like gorgeous. And I felt uncomfortable with when I was alone with somebody there after everybody had left. And so I brought that into the group because I was like, well, everything here, you know, is going to lead to something. And then he started screaming at me saying like, no, no. 
And then the group kind of split, like with people holding on to me being like, let her speak, you know, and then people siding on his side. <laughs> and that led into a whole process where Anne also had brought out the cube, the cushiony cube, as well as a cushiony baseball bat type thing. And I beat the shit out of that bat. And before this, you know, I, there was a long period of time that I had no voice. Like that was one of my trauma responses was truly freezing, not being able to speak up and being this quiet, sweet Asian girl, you know, who everybody thinks is just quiet and nice and complacent. And so that was really big to be doing that in front of people and for me to even express that rage. And I was screaming, you know, insane profanities, like of how I would like murderous things. Like I will tie your head (laughs) to the back of a truck and drag you for miles. Yeah. In our subconscious and like, you know, especially, you know, if you, if you don't share with your voice, I remember that moment where I'm like all these men screaming at me, all these women behind me, like just like feeding me with energy, you know, and then these men just yelling abusive things. And I'm just like, I'm going to fucking murder you as I'm like fucking this cube. And it's just, it's so, it sounds so insane for, I guess, for people that have never really been in that space, but this is, this is helpful. That's the stuff that really like you can't, just step into that space just with your mind or just with your body or just with your with your soul or your expectations. It is like the fullness of your emotions, your energy, even like your ancestral stuff. Like everything in that moment comes out when you put the somatics and that group and, and all of that into that, that one energetic expression, right? So yeah. Mm-hmm. So are you leading um, groups like that as well in person? Well, I just wanted to say another part about that. So like after that experience at the end, she had me make eye contact with every man in the group and they had tears in their eyes, you know, and they would come up to me afterwards and be like, you're like the incredible Hulk. Like you have so much power. And also I think the essence of what was felt between me and the group after that was such safety. Like then we were naked in the hot springs talking like we were best friends. Like it was day three and we were like, I love you to each other and truly meaning it because it's like you're seeing somebody on a soul level. And so I had an experience closeness like that where it felt, you know, this is what I think sometimes I would escape and do drug, like do Molly MDMA just to feel was this type of love. And I was like, oh my God, this is accessible sober <laughs> just by relating yeah, and being yeah. myself and being met here. And so And then another disclaimer, I feel like responsibly um, for anybody listening is that there's different layers of nervous system healing. And sometimes I think a more titrated, slow approach is good in the beginning of trauma care and something more cathartic and explosive like this does sometimes, you know, take a level of um, capacity. Because actually, a few months later, I did contract really hard into what I started talking about. In the, Ooh, the okay. Okay. Yeah. So disclaimer, but you know, with responsibility <laughs> <laughs> and guidance for yourself. Well, <laughs> yes. Right. Well, and luckily I see those contractions as portals. So I had the context for what I was going through, you know, but it can, without all of that context, um, I think it can be very confusing 
And so, yes. So going forward, facilitating group, I am mostly remote right now. So I, and I'm not because of what I just said about that disclaimer. That's why I feel called to bridge the safe with a little bit more of the danger. And, you know, I can't expect people to have a cube at home with like a padded, <laughs> a padded. I wish I had a cube at home. <laughs> same. I really, I, I think I might get one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And a bat and a bat. <laughs> yes. I know. I just have to get my dog out of the house because she gets scared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I do do that in, well, in group, I do lead people through moving through that, basically the fight response, the healthy aggression in different ways that are maybe more subtle, like whether it's like letting your scream into a pillow or squeezing and releasing or pushing into a wall. And sometimes, yeah, pounding your fist on the bed or the pillow or doing like an upside down temper tantrum. So there are elements of that. Wait, did you just say upside down tantrum? Temper tantrum. Like, What's yeah, the upside down? Back? Oh, yes. Okay. I was like upside down. Like, where are we hanging here? Are you hanging from your ankles? I'm like, I want to do that. <laughs> okay, okay. But this is not something that's created yet, but something has been moving through me. Like my, my main course is called Awakening the Wild Woman. And there's this like ancient wild woman primal scream of this like ancient woman that lives inside me that I do see myself. My teacher, Adriana Rizzolo, recommended me to watch this documentary called Psycho Magic. Have you heard of it? No, I'm going to write it down. But yes, what is it? It's this film director. I think he's director who also created this trauma healing modality where he basically recreates um, for example, if somebody suffered a birth trauma or something, he recreates it through performance art. So he'll have the actors and he'll have the actual client like be rebirthed through this woman so that he can like feel, you know, what the love of his mother, you know, all of this stuff. And it's crazy watching the ways that they heal after that one session. And this all goes back to ancient ritual and ceremonial practices, right? That's what this is. Yeah. And so I'm so drawn to that. Like there's one scene where he has women painting their self portraits and okay. And this might be too graphic for people, but whatever, um, painting their self portraits with their period blood, with their moon blood. Like they're literally just like reaching into themselves and putting it onto the page, painting their portraits. And I'm like, I don't know what that is, but there's something in me that comes alive when I see this shit. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Yes. Oh, wow. I'm going to watch that for sure. For sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, you know, it's, it's, I've been, you know, I, I went to art school long time ago. And then because I went through something very traumatic. So I went to art school and I was also a singer. So I was always in the art world and, uh, you know, I had, a lot of um, art exhibitions where I was also dancing and painting, you know, and then something happened where, you know, this all ended. It just, this creative flow just stopped. Um, and now I'm realizing how much I need to go back into expressing through voice, expressing through dance, expressing through art. And, and I feel like that is my, my next level in terms of how I can heal certain parts of the coach and how I need to show up and just be more in this 
free flowing state in my own body, you know, in my own artistry. And I feel like that's, that's the next step forward. And it's so funny that we're both in this transitional, like, it's funny because, you know, I was, a I, I recreated, spent a lot of money on redoing my website, you know, three months ago. And now I'm like, I don't like that website at all. Like we need to scratch that, you know? And it's, it's interesting because, you know, you can't time when something's moving through you. So I was like scratching that, let's start all over again. And, and to just allow yourself to start over as you're moving up in your frequency and in your development, but also to allow yourself to surrender and start over. So I'm proud of you from afar that you are able to, you know, redefine and take that courage and, you know, still, still give so wholeheartedly. I see that you are really experienced and integrated and, and I'm so happy that I've spoken to you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Tammy. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. You wanted to say something. <laughs> it feels good for you to express that that's your journey right now as well. You know, I was just going through such a huge contraction yesterday of, cause as we move through these transformations and we have outward facing people, you know, it's like, and then, you know, the algorithm doesn't work anymore because we're not talking about the same things anymore, or we're starting to transition ourselves. It's very confronting and triggering and it's such a process. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I'm proud of you as well. And I'm grateful yeah. that, yeah, I just think this is the feminine way of leadership is just yeah. being so authentic and being mm-hmm. okay, taking off that quote unquote authority. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, thank you, Tammy. Can you please tell everyone how to find you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Somatic Spirit. And my website is somatic-spirit.com. And hopefully this month, I'm launching my podcast, The Art of Relating. So look out for that. And I'll be posting it. And you can sign up for my email list to to learn what my program authentic attachment is actually going to become in its true <laughs> authenticity. And I think the the correct name that's coming to me is more like meeting the mystery, <laughs> which feels way more landed in my Oh system. my God. Like, yes. Yeah. I'm resonating with that. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. I've been going through, you know, I'm, I'm, since we're seeing so much out there in conflict, I, I am really, there's, I really am starting to resonate with the word revolution and inner revolution and an activist for inner revolutions. I'm really starting to like, I don't know, I'm like watching Bob Marley and sermons and like, I'm just kind of like, what is that oomphing thing that I want to say, you know? But yeah, so I'm going yeah. through my journey of like activation, activation. This is what it's about, you know, and inner activation. So it, it's always funny, right? Because you have to explain everything with semantics, which is like, I wish I could just like, wave and do all of that and like people will understand what I mean so oh but you know <laughs> it is what it is I feel you this is this is the revolution totally I have Joan of Arc on this pendant when I first began this crazy journey and it's her praying for divine guidance as she before she leads everybody into the battle yeah. and yeah it's looking now to me I'm I at first I thought it was like me on my own doing this revolution thing and now I see it's like no it's me and all these incredible women and uh, like yeah. I'm so grateful to have met you yeah and to feel this resonance yeah to 
Tammy, thank you for connecting. And I know it's not the last time I see you, you know, I, for some reason, I'm just, I'm starting to feel really connected with you. And I hope that one day we can meet in person. That'll be really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> love to come to Bali. Yeah, please. Yeah. Please tell me when you're coming. So thank you so much for your time. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much, Natalie. Bye. Bye. My brother live in a jungle concrete, like belly gone rumbling. Only wants a taste of the sky Wind and fire set in the seeds For the son of his son to come with him one day Taste the roots he was born from Passing the story how all hands came together as one